Hello, Dr. Moshe Tediman. How are you doing? I'm fine. How are you? I'm very fine. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me. How is the climate there? Is it cool? Yeah, the climate is uh, cold and getting colder uh, for the next week, but uh, you know, it changes. Usually now it's a warm uh, winter here. Yeah. And that is what we are discussing today. It is all about environment. Uh, yes, uh, environmental challenges uh, for and the region. Yeah, for the for my region, not your region only. Uh, yeah, yeah. For yeah. I mean, South Asia, the Arab world, yeah. the Muslim world, yes, everyone. Yeah. So, Dr. Moshe, I would request you first of all to introduce a little about you and your academic background that uh, people who are watching us listening us right now they they will uh, know a little about you well uh, i'm a really a middle eastern studies scholar and uh, i started with uh, research of the middle east and uh, islam in africa and then uh, I moved uh, through what happened in Darfur to uh, the genocide there and the environmental uh, factors uh, causing it. I moved uh, to really research uh, environmental issues in the, in the region, I mean in the Arab Muslim world in Africa. And uh, because I felt that this is an, the issue of the 21st century that must be researched. So today, I, and also I'm an expert on uh, the Red Sea Basin. Um, and uh, nowadays I'm working also, I'm affiliated with the Forum for Regional Thinking and also with the University of Haifa and uh, at uh, Esri Center there for uh, Gulf, uh, Gulf Country Studies. And uh, I'm also directing and uh, founding uh, the Research Institute for Islam and Muslims in Africa and uh, the uh, Institute for uh, Environmental Security and Wellbeing Studies. So uh, I'm affiliated with uh, all those places. A lot of work you are doing, Doctor. Uh, yes, you know, I'm, I'm trying. Being busy in what you love to do is the best thing. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, educate me and enlighten me about the environmental challenges. Like this topic, uh, I this is my very first interaction with uh, an expert on environmental challenges and its impacts because um, I never got a chance to speak on environmental issues. I have just a raw information, a little bit about, yeah, the climate is changing, the environment is changing, challenges are there, but we actually don't know the real challenges. So please let us know how this environmental change, the climate change is going to impact us in future right now impact having an impact on us so i will start with the present with your per permission 
Yeah, please. So first of all, I will divide uh, I will divide it into two two themes. One is uh, the Middle East and North Africa, and the other is the larger uh, Muslim world, including Africa and South Asia, and uh, also Indonesia and uh, other places as well. So if we begin with the Middle East, the Middle East is uh, really an outpost, an outspot in uh, climate change, meaning uh, the temperature in the Middle East is uh, growing in about one and a half uh, degrees Celsius in the last uh, few decades, uh, which is much more than most of the world or double of most of the world. So this is uh, really one of the hottest places. Mm. And uh, But the Middle East and North Africa have also certain geographical preconditions that uh, climate change only exacerbates uh, the situation there. Mm. And the preconditions are, first of all, and this includes also Afghanistan, Pakistan, and India, Hmm. Uh, all those countries and uh, some of Africa also uh, is a part is located in what we in what geographers geographers call the desert belt, hmm. which is really full of deserts all over. Which means, first of all, there is no enough not enough water. Hmm. So we are speaking already about a problem, uh, which is water scarcity. Hmm. Another issue which it involves is that there is not enough fertile land, hmm. meaning only 11% of the whole area of the Middle hmm. East and North Africa is fertile. Okay. And much of it is really lost for desertification processes and, and uh, exacerbated by climate change. So what we are seeing is that most countries are dependent on other countries for food. Hmm. This means that there is no food security. Yeah. And the countries which are not really dependent on food on others, like, for example, Pakistan or India, they're using so much of their waters in irrigation. Mm. And most of those waters are coming from groundwater resources. Yeah. That it really depletes the drinking water for people. Oh, okay. Yeah. And therefore, what we have, the situation we have is that because of mismanagement of water resources, not mm. because of climate change, but mm. because of mismanagement, we, we are having a lot of problems that climate change only exacerbates. Mm-hmm. Now, another issue is energy security, because yeah, as we know, uh, oil, you know, gas are going to yeah. deplete at some point. Hmm. So countries in the region, like uh, the UAE, for example, or Saudi Arabia, are really starting to prepare for the day after, hmm. and therefore to develop renewable energies. 
Now, Saudi Arabia, as for example, like Singapore and other places, are also having, uh, you know, an Arctic, an Arctic policy. Hmm. And this is because the Arctic Ocean is melting. Hmm. And therefore, the transnational uh, sea lanes are now uh, starting to go through the Arctic and really shorten the way from the Far East to Europe and the West in about mm. two weeks or more mm. uh, from when it went through the Red Sea, when it is going mm. from the Red Sea. So this is another challenge that the countries need to deal with. So energy security is also something that to take into account. Mm. Now, the other two issues, uh, problematic issues or challenging issues that all the region faces is really desertification because the deserts are spreading. Yeah. And land degradation because again, also of desertification and also because of mismanagement. Hmm. And therefore, uh, therefore, we have a lot of issues here. Uh, another thing that combines with it is a population, huge population growth. Yeah. I mean, all over the Middle East, North Africa, Africa and South Asia, a huge population growth. We have a very small population, Dr. Marshe. Sorry? Just, we have a very small population. A very, Just very 22, small. 220, <laughs> 220 people. Yeah, yeah. In millions. <laughs> yes. And, and your neighbor India have more than a, than a billion. Yeah. And on the upper side, more than a billion in China. Yeah, Bangladesh. <laughs> yeah. So we have, we are sitting in the region where th around 3 billion people are living. Only right. in Pakistan, Bangladesh, uh, India and China. More than right. 3 billion. Exactly. And you all need to use the, the waters of, first of all, the groundwater, yeah. which are depleting now very quickly. Yeah. And also uh, the water from what is called the third pole, which are the Himalayas mountain. Yeah. And uh, also this water is depleting because the snow mm. is melting very fast mm. uh, because of climate change. Mm. And uh, also the glaciers. And uh, what we have is a situation where, uh, you know, just two years ago, uh, it was uh, forecasted that Pakistan will not have water in 2025. Yeah. So uh, we are in this situation where uh, 11 is mega cities in India mm. are uh, supposed to be without water also soon. And that Pakistan is also be out of water, and also Afghanistan, it's the same way, Kabul especially, but also other places in Afghanistan that are close to the Himalaya, and uh, the fields are irrigated from those uh, from those uh, waters. Mm. 
And it's a very challenging situation. Uh, now, for example, India started to dam mm. some rivers that are going into the Indus and Brahmaputra. Mm. Uh, but it wasn't supposed to to do so, but it started uh, just la- uh, in the last uh, year. Yeah. So, so it creates a lot of tension, all this situation. And uh, also not only in South Asia, also, for example, if you take Turkey and the Tigris mm. and the Euphrates, Mm. You will see that now Turkey, Istanbul is suffering from lack of water. Yeah, that is true. Turkey has been uh, has seen a lot of water in it. I mean, in the eighties, mm. in the nineties, but mm. because of a lot of consequent years of uh, drought and climate mm. change and warming, mm. uh, this those waters depleted. Mm. So now they want to use those waters for themselves. And now mm. the Tigris and the Euphrates are in, in, in international waters, mm. rivers, or transboundary rivers. And therefore, mm. part of them is also Syria and Iraq. Mm. And Turkey, when it wanted, for example, in the at the end of the 1980s, it really stopped the flow of the water to Syria because Syria supported the Kurds in Turkey. Mm. So water can also serve as a weapon. Yeah. And Turkey really wants to develop its south, uh, south uh, west and southeast uh, periphery. <clears throat> in Anatolia, where the mm. Tigris goes into Syria and the Euphrates goes uh, go into Syria. Mm. And therefore, they want to invest most of those waters there. Now, also in the Nile, we have the same issue with Ethiopia, who is mm. now uh, building a dam, in the, uh, the Renaissance Dam, in the blue, on the Blue Nile. Mm. And it, uh, it, uh, Egypt says it will depletes uh, it will deplete ten uh, percent of its waters. Hmm. So therefore, it it starts to you know to 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 arrange itself towards this calamity. Hmm. And this is the real calamity for it because uh, again, Egypt has now uh, more than one thousand uh, one uh, one hundred million people. Yeah. So when the population grows and when you are really competing with others on dwindling resources, you have two options or to collaborate or to uh, three options or to manage uh, manage solutions by yourself Hmm. or uh, to have a conflict. Yeah. So this situation can serve as a resource for peace or in collaboration mm. or as a source of conflict as the decision makers of all the countries in the region will decide. Mm. That's true. That's true. And Dr. Moshe, tell me one thing about it. Uh, out of the whole uh, talk you have given us about the f- climate change and the issues and impacts of climate change when we talk about the groundwater level are the dams helpful to contain it 
or no, counter productive? No, only, only for the short term. And that's why also in Pakistan you build a lot of dams. And also in India there are a lot of dams in order to store the water. Hmm. But again, it's depleting. Because if there is climate change, and for example, uh, if we speak about Pakistan and uh, we take Baluchistan, for example, it's desert. Yeah. So uh, uh, if, for example, you build dams there hmm. in the desert, then, uh, you know, uh, the water evaporates. Okay. So, uh, so it, it all depletes. So it's mm. really for for the short term, yes, it's a solution. But for the long term, maybe you need to build desalination plants, as as the Arabs are doing. Mm. I mean, Egypt is doing it. Uh, the Gulf countries are doing it. Others are doing it. Mm. You know, they're really to deal with. Uh, again, it needs a lot of money. Poor countries cannot cannot really afford it. Mm. But. Uh, still, it's a solution. Hmm. So, for the short term, dams are solution, right? If I'm understanding yeah. you rightly. Uh, the dam is a solution for the short term, for but the short again, term. the population is growing. Hmm. And as long as it continues to grow, and as long, uh, I mean, in this time, in, in these uh, dimensions, hmm. You again, you can you cannot avoid the problem. You will just delay the problem, but you will not avoid it. So but you will need to deal in this stage or another. Yeah, but if you have the commitment to resolve the problem in longer terms, so the dams are a solution for shorter terms to execute you the strategy for longer terms. It will give you time and space to execute the strategy for yeah. longer terms yeah yes in condition that they're really dealing with it because there mm. are always issues that you know are more paramount than environmental issues yeah. the problem with environmental issues is that you cannot see them most of mm. the time they are very slow i mean they are very slow processes Hmm. That, are taking, that are taking place and then when they impact they impact big but hmm. in order to deal with them you need it to be more clarified like for hmm. example you have natural disasters like floods like yeah. then you know you need to deal so you deal yeah but with issues, uh, you know, like water, energy, all this, although it is, uh, you cannot, you cannot sustain the people in the country without dealing with those issues, really. Yeah. You cannot live with the denial zone living. You cannot deny right. the challenges. Right, right. Because, yeah. because uh, people just cannot live, cannot survive. Without yeah. water, without energy, businesses yeah. cannot work. Yeah. Uh, so, in order really to safeguard those uh, those issues, you have to have a strategy. You have to take into account while you are dealing with the strategy or uh, managing it. You you have to take into account the tradition of the people, hmm. the culture of the people that it will fit them. Hmm. You need, for example, to create alternatives. Hmm. 
you need, uh, I mean, uh, alternatives that are uh, cheap or uh, at least not as expensive as the other ones that are being mm. used now. Yeah. So you need to really develop a strategy. And there I want really to give an example of a country that did it in the energy sector, Morocco. Hmm. Morocco is really the is a country that now uh, shifted to about 40% this year, 40% of uh, energy, renewable energy. That's great. From nothing only seven or eight years ago. Wow. Amazingly great. Yes. And this really, uh, and this was because they really changed everything from policy, from mm. legislation. Mm. All those issues, they really managed it well. Mm. And now, they are going uh, really to, they are the first country in Africa, in the Arab world, in the Muslim world, that is really shifting uh, big to, to renewable energy mm. because of having a strategy mm. and also collaborating with the private sector and the public. Mm. So they really made uh, the First, really, it was 2011, the first, uh, I mean, uh, public uh, mm. legislation about climate change and sustainable mm. development. Mm. And therefore, when they had the public consent, mm. it was easier for them to really be active on this. That's right. So... I think most countries, including Israel, including Pakistan, should follow mm. this model and really mm. develop strategy. That's right. That's right. Doctor Moshe, we have a problem uh, in Pakistan for a long time right now. There is there is a capacity to build a dam, which is an ideal situation for making a dam with less cost, with high efficiency. Its name is the project name is Kalabagh Dam. And that was proposed in 50s, 60s somewhere. But still there is political rift, which is not taking this project to become a reality. And I guess uh, without that, without, as you said, without the shorter solutions, short time solutions, we cannot reach the long term solutions. I guess this is right time to build some reservoirs for water for short term and then try to shift your needs uh, to meet up with the long term challenges yes and this uh, process by the way i i think from my point of view it should it should be i mean uh, top down and uh, down up hmm. i mean it should be in parallel hmm. coming from below and coming from up yeah and then meeting in the middle That's with right. some compromise. That's right. And tell me, Dr. Moshe, uh, you talked about the food security. As I know, uh, Israel was a country without water, without uh, food, crops production 
40 years back, 50 years back, 60 years back, all desert with less water resources. And today you are self-sufficient in your uh, food production and you are uh, dealing with the food security issues with the high comp competence. How you achieved it? Uh, again, we had the challenge the the country Israel when it started. I mean, after it was founded in '48, mm -hmm. had a lot of challenges in front of it. And one of the visions of uh, David Ben Gurion, which was the first Prime Minister of Israel, was to really uh, relieve the the Negev we leave the mm. desert mm. now desert uh, is comprising 60% uh, of israel's uh, area oh my goodness it is 60% right 60% yes mm. uh, we are also in uh, you know the desert belt as oh, all yeah. the region yeah and uh, therefore we found ways in order really to make it work we we found ways for a lot of innovation hmm. uh, to really uh, to really deal with those issues and now israel is a superpower in in the issues of uh, really food hmm. of uh, water management hmm of uh, the, uh, dealing with desertification. Hmm. Israel is really a power that can share its know-how with others. Hmm. Uh, now, it really, it, it really does it uh, secretly and non-secretly with, with other uh, countries, also in the Arab world, also in the Muslim world. Uh, and uh, again, but when when you have public relationship, meaning when you have normalization, mm. it's it's much easier to do so. Mm. And now also the UAE, Sudan, Sudan part of what we help we help Sudan now with is uh, the issue of water and agriculture. Because uh, there were a lot of floods uh, mm. in Sudan, historic floods, which mm. really flooded about uh, one third of all its agricultural uh, fields. Mm. And now Sudan has been known for a long time as the breadbasket of, uh, of the Middle East mm. and of the Nile Basin. Mm. So when all and uh, many uh, Gulf countries also are uh, leasing uh, agricultural lands there. So when all of it was flooded, yeah. uh, Sudan really, and uh, agriculture is one of the main incomes of uh, Sudan, mm. Sudan really needs uh, aid. Mm. So part of the agreement with Israel is that Israel will give Sudan first and foremost aid in uh, really agriculture and uh, water management and uh, all those issues that uh, Israel is excelling at. Hmm. That's right. And Dr. Moshe, you talked about the water resources, uh, the usage of water resources as weapon. You have gone through that, right? 
the golan uh, the golan heights conflict involves the water resources as well i guess I mean, the first conflict on of on water was really between israel and uh, its arab neighbors in uh, 67 and even before oh. that because the syrians were trying to divert the water of the jordan river and uh, mm. its surface um and israel uh, really opposed that mm. therefore uh, it went into there were some clashes during the 60s which came to their uh, apex at uh, the 90, uh, 1967 war mm. the, then the conquest of the Golanites mm. but in uh, the Kinneret as well so so this was one of the factors uh, and but from then on we are seeing that uh, right now for example Egypt always threaten to go to war if someone will take its the water of it of the nile from it hmm. uh, that was what sadat says uh, president sadat says said at the 70s but, but now Assisi doesn't seem like he's going to war but and they will not go to war over it hmm. so he tries to to manage to manage by hmm. himself and uh, mm. through the aid of others, Arab countries, uh, Europeans, uh, US, others, Russians, he tries really to mitigate the issue. Mm. But but again, uh, we have we have all this all over. You have it also in India, Pakistan. Yeah. You have it, yeah. you have it in Pakistan, Afghanistan. Yeah. Uh, all the issue with transboundary waters. Yeah. Uh, you have it between Afghanistan and Iran. Yeah. And China and India. And China and India, and also the Mekong River and all Southeast Asia. I mean, yeah. you have it everywhere now because yeah. of climate change and the uh, and the problem that all the countries are now there there is when you use transboundary waters, there are two principles, main principles. One is historical rights. Yeah which means, for example, Egypt. Yeah, the Nile is the gift of Egypt, hmm. the gift of life of Egypt. Without the Nile, Egypt doesn't survive. Hmm. So now uh, the Nile is under threat because of the, for Egypt, because of uh, the Renaissance Dam in Ethiopia. Hmm. So, so, so it's the issue of historical rights of Egypt hmm. on the water, versus the demand of use of others, other uh, participatories in the river, hmm. uh, who say, all right, we have a population growth. We need really to, to give the population what it needs in matters of development and water. And uh, water is also used for energy uses too, hmm. to create, I mean, electricity from hydroelectric uh, power. And to give the population all this, and uh, so we need it too now. You cannot have it all for yourself. That's right. And in Egypt, there are no running water. I mean, uh, no mm. running uh, rivers. Mm. So the only source of water is the Nile and some other groundwater that is elsewhere in the in the Libyan uh, desert. 
mm. in the Western Desert. But other than that, they, they have not so much water. Mm. And in the Sinai, you have uh, ISIS. Mm. Yeah. So uh, it's not really, you know, a productive situation. That's right. That's right. In Iraq, the same. Uh, I mean, the first time uh, in this decade, I mean, in the last decade, uh, mm. the Euphrates dried out. So in Baghdad, mm. they walked, I mean, mm. uh, in the river. Mm. So, so those things are really calamities at the end of the day. Can, I mean, can develop into calamities that can really bring uh, all countries down. And therefore, environmental security, at least the Arab, uh, the Arab states understand that environmental security is really the secure, first of all, uh, I mean, a guarantee for the stability of the regimes. Because mm. without environmental security, I mean, without dealing with the environmental challenges I mentioned before, you cannot really survive mm. in power. We saw it with Omar al-Bashir in Sudan. That's right. Because of the rise of electricity and food prices. Yeah. Yeah. There were all those demonstrations and then it's downfall. Mm. That's now, right. we saw it also in the Arab Spring in Egypt with Mubarak. We saw yeah. it in Syria. We saw it yeah. in Yemen. So yes. it can develop to those kinds of things that can create chaos and civil war and the genocide in Darfur and other things. Mm. And they also uh, can really make terrorist organizations who use the mm. resources and control the access to those resources mm. also function. Mm. I mean, so it's really something uh, much bigger than, than we think on the surface. Yeah. It's a bigger challenge. And yeah. it's a hidden challenge. It doesn't appear like a monster on the surface, but it is a big, huge monster, in fact. Uh, yes, and therefore, uh, in my point of view, uh, it needs to have a regional uh, collaboration in dealing with yeah. it because environmental issues like you have a pollution river, hmm. like the Indus, let's say, yeah. is polluted. Hmm. Then what will you do? Pakistan is at the end of the hmm. Indus. Hmm. Pakistan I is mean, at the end of the Indus, yes, you're right. So, so what will happen then? You will use polluted water. So yeah. if you don't have the right facilities to turn them into clean waters, yeah. then what can you do with it? I mean... It's waste. Exactly. So uh, it's another deficiency. Yeah, that's right. So pollution is a problem that is really, you know, crossing borders. Hmm. And right. therefore, you have to deal with it regionally. Yeah. And you cannot deal with certain issues just in the country level. I mean, you can manage, but you cannot solve the problem when That's it right. comes from a neighboring country. That's right. That's right. 
And uh, Dr. Moshe, I would like to ask you about desertification. The like you are from a country which had 60% of desert, right? Yes. And there are countries which are turning to be the 60% of the desert now. Because water is not there. Groundwater is going down. The level is going down, down, and down. So the desert, desertification is taking place. So how you face that challenge of desertification or already having 60% of your land, it was desert. And now you are growing crops in desert with lesser water resources. How how you faced and come over on came over on this challenge? By the way, well, uh, what we did is first of all we we created the, the what is called the the all this conduit that. Uh, that uh, guides the water from the Kinneret, which is in the lake, Lake Kinneret, which is in the north of Israel to the south. And then we brought uh, water uh, to the south. And uh, it enabled Israel really to grow a lot of, uh, I mean, a uh, lot of crops in uh, the western, uh, in the southwest of the country. Hmm. While in the border with Jordan, we have a lot of uh, of other uh, agriculture being done, and also we develop there a lot of uh, renewable energy sources. Hmm. I mean, you need to take into account that Israel is a very dense place, meaning uh, a lot of its area is desert, as I said, 60%. Hmm. Hmm. And another another part of its area is used by the army. Hmm. So therefore, uh, most of the population, you don't have a lot of uh, open spaces. Hmm. So it's even more challenging than I said before. Hmm. The picture is even more challenging. Hmm. And uh, but but still we 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 are a country that uh, you know we have to survive. I mean, mm. when when it was founded, it was uh, engulfed with enemies. Mm. So it had to survive somehow. Mm. And uh, in order to survive, you you have innovation skills. Mm. And if you don't have, you develop innovation skills hmm. so that you can survive. Hmm. So that's what we did. And this now know-how, all this know-how, we are, uh, you know, spreading all over the world. Hmm. With the work of the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, with the work of, uh, you know, uh, businesses and uh, companies and hmm. others. And, um, but Israel is uh, one, if you take all what I said now into account, Israel is one of the densest countries in the Western world, because most of the country is really concentrated in what we call the Tel Aviv area, which hmm. is 
the, the rest of the population is in the periphery, but most, but most of the population is in the Tel Aviv area, and therefore you have really a lot more challenges to deal with. That's right. That's very true. Well, thank you, Dr. Moshe, uh, for being with us. And this is the first part of our uh, series of talks about environment with you. Uh, we have one podcast on coming Saturday and then the next one on the next Saturday. Yeah. And I am really thankful. I enjoyed it a lot. I learned a lot about the water challenges and uh, its impact on our society. And hope to see you soon. Sure. Thank you for having me. Thank you. It was an honor for us to host you. And looking forward for the next Saturday's talk. Yeah, sure. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you very much. You're welcome.